0: This is Over the Culture Podcast, where you get to hear my spin on things I like, like music, sports, sports entertainment, movies, TV shows, and your mom. You also get to hear about things I don't like, like people who are incompetent at their job. And I'm your bastard of ceremonies, the one gig kid, Pat Stay Black, Alex Trablack, for Sutherland, Luke Fly Talker, the most interesting nerd in podcasting, the troller of trolls, the prince of petty, Steve G. G. February 13th, 2022, 2222 And just yesterday I was on my way to work and I take my usual shortcut route, which is avoiding the fucking freeway. But this time my shortcut wasn't as short because a UPS driver had the hardest time trying to back in to the UPS building. And both sides of traffic are at a complete halt. We're waiting on this fucking idiot. He's going in reverse. He's pulling forward. Going back in reverse, pulling forward. And it just seemed like a horrible, drawn-out SNL skit. Who the fuck is driving this truck? Harry and Lloyd? And for you new millennials, that's a fucking Dumb and Dumber reference. But I, I just daydreamed about dropping sharp tax underneath each fucking tire um (sighs) truck drivers i know you serve a purpose i get it we need our products we need our things you need to deliver them but some of these motherfuckers need to go back to class some people need to re-earn their fucking license i i don't know it's not the easiest job It takes some focus, but this motherfucker just could not get it. And could I drive a big fucking semi or better yet, put it in reverse? Nah, but I never signed up to be a fucking truck driver. I know better. That's not the life for me. Just inconvenience. Just like those bus drivers who just fucking... Have everybody, even on the other side of the divider, everybody has to stop. Everybody has to stop. And it just took this motherfucker forever to get in that parking lot. It was like a a baby dick going into a canyon coochie, In and out. Oh, it slipped out again. I'm like, oh my God. I'm just talking to myself like, man, please, man, please just fucking tomorrow get dysentery or some kind of fucking oh my god I just hope you fucking get gout or something on on your pedal foot and you'll never have to drive again. But I digress. Night tonight is the big game. Super Bowl Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Rams when they were in St. Louis they saw some success With Marshall Falk, Kurt Warner, The Big O, Lando Pace. But that was literally decades ago. I was in high school when that happened. Now they got Matt Stafford, OBJYN, Donald, and the Bungles. Who would have thought? Who would have thought, man? Who would have thought? I never thought the Chiefs would win a Super Bowl in my lifetime, but here we are. And you know, it's very rare that I pull for the Bungles in any circumstance, but today I got time, cause Go Ohio! More times than not, it's going to be Go Ohio from Steve G, and they deserve it. Long-suffering Cincinnati Bungles fans, and I knew some of them. I know some of them. I grew up with some of them. No trophies in the case. None. Maybe their time has come. And, you know, outside of rooting for an Ohio team, the Rams fucking lost me $50 in the last Super Bowl they played against Brady and them. I I shouldn't even took that bet. I just don't like Brady winning. I had no knowledge of that year's uh, Los Angeles Rams team They didn't know anything about the coach The quarterback None of that shit This was a time when I wasn't watching NFL at all Hardly even my team But I was just like Oh they're going up against Brady I want them to win Shit Gotta cash up a friend $50 the next day Sons of bitches You motherfuckers owe me You lost against Brady You better lose against the Ohio team God it And also a lot of us 80s babies, 90s kids, a lot of us uh, nearing middle age and middle aged, and even the boomers. We're looking forward to that halftime show. Quite possibly one of the best. It's going to be Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, and there's rumors of a Tupac hologram. Oh. yeah man get those sensor buttons ready and I'm looking forward to the commercials there's usually one or two that stand out and I just hope for a good game I don't want it to be one sided even if the Bengals win make the shit interesting keep me awoke and speaking of Snoop Dogg oh man Uh, We we got another Cosby situation on our hands. Uh, Just after he buys Death Row, which I love, he bought Death Row. He's getting prepared to perform at the halftime show of the Super Bowl. He just released a new album, which is a fucking banger. More on that later. We have assault charges heading in his direction. And not just Snoop. People in his crew were named. Bishop Don Juan? Bishop Don Juan was taking pussy too? What? Snoop took some pussy? And then right after that, Bishop Don Juan took the sloppy seconds? Is that what we're saying? Is that is that the word on the street? Oh, man. And she wishes to be anonymous. She is Jane Doe. And, uh, you know, I don't want to make light of this subject because it is serious, man. No means no. No man should ever take pussy. It is not your pussy. It is a woman's most prized possession that she was born with. And, you know, Snoop Dogg, over the years, he has endeared himself to us, to the world. He has shown his growth. And we like to think that that's not the Snoop that we know and like to think has grown. No! Can't be. I guess we'll find out. I guess we will find out But it's just ironic That when he's making these power moves He buys out his former label He's about to Possibly do the biggest show Of his career Of his life Just released the album He's winning But knock knock Oh strife Hey We've noticed you don't have any strife In your life Here We have handfuls Take some I, I just hope to God that we don't see the day where there's a surviving Snoop Dogg documentary. Please, let this shit be fictional. Please. R. Kelly's canceled. Bill Cosby's canceled. What's left of them? Not Snoop. We all love Snoop. All like, black people, Old black people love Snoop. My grandmother and my great-grandmother knew who Snoop Dogg was. White people love Snoop, Hispanics love Snoop, Asians love Snoop. I swear, man, they're trying to cancel all my heroes, the people I admire and look up to, and I get it, they're people. They're people at the end of the day, just with a lot of notoriety and a lot of uh, prestige, a lot of power, a lot of money. And they've been trying their hardest for years. For the last couple of years. To cancel the goat. (coughs) Dave Chappelle. And in this latest episode of. Let's cancel Dave. He spoke out. At a a town hall meeting. And he did not want. Public housing. Affordable public housing. In his backyard. And. The knee jerk reaction is that. Oh man he's lived long enough to become the villain that that's the narrative that the haters and the cancel and i hate using that term cancel culture it's just a lot of fucking new age pussies i'm gonna say new age pussies who just want to take a narrative a little bit of something and if it gets clicks if it gets likes they'll try to spin that shit Now, instead of just reading the headlines and just running off with it, I had to look at the whole situation. Dave Chappelle is a fucking multi-millionaire. He's lived in the struggle. He grew up in the struggle. He survived the struggle and overcame. He won in life. He does a lot of things for his community in Yellow Springs, Ohio. And so for them to think he's just some shrewd businessman... Come on man, he doesn't want that hood shit around his fucking property, around his business and the fucked up thing, they use his residence as a selling point, oh, you know what, this is a perfect location, world famous comedian Dave Chappelle, he actually lives here with his family, his wife and his kids, this is where he goes uh, for groceries with his family, this is where he goes, this is his favorite hangout spot, you know, all you fucking welfare recipients, you you guys want to see that, right? Yeah, 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 But because it's Dave Chappelle, he has to be agreeable to everything. To that I say this, ask Tom Hanks how he feels about having affordable uh, housing in his backyard. Ask DiCaprio. And I love Hanks, Tom Hanks. I love DiCaprio. Ask Jim Carrey's. And y'all know how I fucks with some Jim Carrey's. Ask him if he wants some of that shit in his fucking backyard. Hell no! No millionaire who has worked all of his adult life to get where he is. And especially if he's experienced that shit already. They ain't want none of that shit. Get the fuck around me. They can support that shit from a distance. But not in my fucking backyard. Not in my neighborhood. And take black, white, take race and color out of it. As history has shown. impoverished impoverished areas tend to have more crime so if you have millions of dollars and you're investing in the area where you live why would you want some old ratchet ass rah-rah fucking hot flaming cheetos fucking bullshit uh batting at my fucking braids To tear your fucking empire down. No man will want that. Ask Bill Gates if he wants that shit. That motherfucker probably lives in a castle with a moat that's separate from all society. Because he's got that kind of bank. And I don't blame him. Nobody should blame him. Because motherfuckers is on some bullshit when they broke. I don't want a bunch of broke motherfuckers around me and I'm a man of means. Shit. It's different if I'm broke and I'm around a bunch of broke motherfuckers. Well shit. That's the company. That's the company that society pl- places us in. You want to live in a better neighborhood, work for it. And that's what Dave Chappelle did. Get off his dick. And uh, in the world of comedy, you can't cancel a motherfucker if they're funny. You get that? In comedy, your goal is to make motherfuckers laugh. And for decades, Dave Chappelle has made us hee hee ha ha roar roar. In these NBA trades, man, you know, the the biggest article in the NBA trades before the deadline, it was James Harden going to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons. And there were some other pieces. Uh, Brooklyn, they're also going to get Wardell's brother, Seth Curry. Andre Drummond's going to Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn won out in this trade. And once Harden left, all the pettiness came out. Kyrie, I guess, by all accounts, he wanted Harden to be gone anyway. There was some diva scuffling in the locker room, uh, bruised egos. Kyrie would have one-on-ones against Harden in practice, and he would light his ass up, as I imagine he would. Because, you know, I talk shit about Kyrie. He's a fucking head case. But... The motherfucker's cold, and he's got potential to be the greatest point guard ever. Yeah, I said it on this Sunday, February 13th. So I'm sure he was cooking the fuck out of James Harden. Harden felt like, this is an unstable community. I cannot thrive here. I'm not happy here. Well, fine. Go to Philly. And honestly, I hope both those motherfuckers fail. Philly and Brooklyn. Go Cavs. I like Embiid. I like Harden. Fuck KD. Kyrie, I, I like his game, but goddammit, he's a one-year dookie. I don't think he lives in the same world we live in. There's no rationalization with this motherfucker. I like Chuck, Chuck's uh, alias that he gave him. He called Kyrie half-man, half season. So good luck with that. Can't play any home games with your star point guard. And I hope you guys fall on your face. I hope Kevin Durant never wins anything ever again. And I hope Kyrie never wins anything ever again. Thank you for the memories in Cleveland. Uh, But I'm, I'm more angry at you getting in the way of Cleveland winning about three or four championships more than I am with LeBron. I understand why he left the first time and I definitely got why he left the second time but it was because of Kyrie's fucking ego. You guys could have been perfect. You guys could have been beautiful, man. You guys could have been better than Scotty and Mike. Yup. Y'all were different and you didn't get it. Maybe you were too young. Maybe you won't realize it until years later after you retired. But I'm telling you right now, you fucked up and you're leaving a shitty trail everywhere you go. They can't stand you in Boston, shit. You get booed in Cleveland. You, sometimes you're scared to even play in Cleveland. Oh, my, my ankle hurts. <laughs> Thank you, Kyrie. Fuck you, Kyrie. And also, CJ McCollum going to the Pelicans, which would be great if Zion Williamson can come back. If your star player is not on board, um, well, late, uh, early exit in the playoffs at best. My Cavs picked up Karis Levert. And uh, fun fact about Karis Levert, he's actually an Ohio boy himself. And he is cousins with Gerald and Eddie Levert of uh, Levert fame and OJs uh, who originate from Cleveland, Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. So with CJ McCollum gone and uh, Portland, they also dropped off some other key pieces to other places. Uh, They no longer have Larry Nance Jr. They no longer have Robert Covington. And to that, I say, you might as well just get rid of Lillard. Uh, Dame hasn't been playing like Dame Even when he's on court He's been injured most of the season uh, And even when he was playing Them shots were not hitting Uh, He does turn 32 this summer And if the Blazers were a smart franchise They would do something with that value Before he loses it They got a young point guard Anthony Simmons And he's been doing the shit That Dame is supposed to be on the court doing So if this continues uh, we're just going to have to rebuild all over again. Let's just get all this shit out of the way, uh, and it's a new regime, but it's the Blazers and they're not known for making the best decisions, so we'll see. Now, on Friday, we were blessed again with two instant classics. First, we're going to address Juicy J's joint collaboration album with Wiz Khalifa, and it's called Stoner's Night. Now, Stoner's Night every track. Listen to that shit, man. All of you fucking stoners, whether you're a 3-6 fan, a fan of Wiz, or a fan of Juice, man, this is it. Features from Big 30. Uh, The song with Project Pat called Backseat, yeah. Uh, You know... I, I, and I said this before, and I hope it doesn't take away the meaning from it, but like, I really did add every song on this album to my playlist. Uh, Wiz Khalifa, he's consistent. So is Juicy J. And I mean, if you're not entertained, you, you must be a bump on the log, man. Um, and, the, and the same goes for Snoop's latest album. Calvin Brodus, man, y'all y'all better leave him alone calvin cordozar don't fucking play with his name bro i'm telling y'all his latest album is titled b-o-d-r an abbreviation for back on death row and he released that on friday the same day as wiz khalifa and juicy j and i'm gonna tell you that this is his second best album ever this is the best album he's put out since doggy style his debut and before b-o-d-r my second favorite Snoop album was The Last Meal. That shit's got f- truckloads of bangers. Truckloads. But BODR, just like Stoner's Night, I added everything to this fucking playlist because Snoop is in his goddamn bag, man. How old is Snoop Dog? Is he 50 yet? Calvin Cordozar Brotus Jr. The man is 50 at the ripe young age of 50. This motherfucker is still in his bag, man. Dope production, dope rhymes, dope flow. Snoop Dogg is an MC's MC. West Coast rappers are known for their flow. That's their thing. If all else fails, shit, they know how to ride that beat. Like a motherfucker, you don't have to be the most wordy dude. You ain't gotta be all Kendrick Lamar, Eminem shit. But man, if you got a dope beat, man, too short know how to get on that motherfucker. Don Mega, yay yeah, yay. Yeah. Easy E knew how to ride that motherfucking beat. And Snoop, psh, no different. Features from October London, Nefertiti Avani. I said that right. Emo Trap, T.I., Sleepy Brown, Nate Dog. Where, where did y'all find a Nate Dog recording after this many years? Jane Hancock, Hey Dion, The Baby, Uncle Murda, Wiz Khalifa, uh, and of course, Nas. Yeah, that Nas. I was impressed. BODR is 18 tracks, 53 minutes and 10 seconds, man. And I've said this before also. Hip hop compared to the other genres, man, it's fairly new. It's fairly new. It's newer than rock. It's newer than pop. It's newer than metal. So we have we haven't seen a 50 plus year old rapper. We didn't see that in the 80s. It wasn't hip. It was always considered a young man's thing. If you're past this age, oh, man, what are you doing rapping? Meanwhile, Rolling Stones is out here doing world tours in in their goddamn 70s. So, yeah, dope hip-hop, dope music. There's no expiration date on that. And, you know, he's put out other great projects. Blue Carpet Treatment. I even like Dog Father. But this one, man, B O D R, the best thing he's done since Doggy Style. Check it out. But all things February 13th, and there were a lot of things on February 13th. In 1983, Marvin Gaye performs a soulful rendition of the Star Spangled Banner at the NBA All-Star Game at the Forum in Los Angeles. VH1 would later use it as the very first video when they premiered on January 1st, 1985. And when CBS broadcast their final NBA telecast at the end of the 1990 NBA Finals, they played Gaye's 1983 rendition of the anthem during the closing credits. In 1987, Mannequin premiered in theaters. And on that same day, Over the Top, starring Sylvester Stallone, premiered in theaters. And I recently did an interview with Don't Worry, Be Movies with Amanda and Wade. And uh, we went over the movie, Over the Top. It's such a fitting title for that movie uh, because it's Over the Top. In 1990, the Black Crows released their debut album, Shake Your Money Maker. In 1993, Double Dare ends. They aired their final episode on Nickelodeon. It, it would later resurface in 2000, but I don't believe they brought back Mark Summers. And if you can't bring back Mark Summers, you can't Double Dare. How dare you? Shouldn't have ended in the first place. This Double Dare shit is forever like Wu-Tang, goddammit. In 1995, Two Stupid Dogs aired their final episode and on that same day, Ghostwriter, I don't know if you 90s kids ever watched that, uh, some of us who didn't have cable from time to time, uh, mom or dad or grandma couldn't pay that cable bill, you had to resort to PBS programming. In 1996, the Fugees released their blockbuster album, The Score, in America, and by extension, The World, was introduced to Lauryn Hill, even though she was in Sister Act before that, but you know. In 1998, The Wedding Singer, starring Adam Sandler, Andrew Barrymore, premiered in theaters. This was the time when Adam Sandler was really crushing it in the movie game. Um, you know, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, of course, The Wedding Singer, Big Daddy, Waterboy. All classics. And they happened in the 90s. And speaking of Adam Sandler, in 2004, 51st Dates premiered in theaters. And on that same day, in 2004, Elton John begins the Red Piano Concert Residency at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Originally scheduled for 75 performances, it would run for 248 shows over five years, including 24 tour dates in Europe. That following year in 05, the 47th Grammy Awards are held at Staples Center in Los Angeles, hosted by Queen Latifah. The late Ray Charles becomes the big winner at the ceremony, winning five awards, including Album of the Year for Genius Loves Company and Record of the Year for a re-recorded duet version of Here We Go Again with Nora Jones. John Mayer's Daughters win Song of the Year, while Maroon 5 win Best New Artist. Britney Spears earned her first Grammy in the category of Best Dance Recording for her hit single, Toxic. In 2006, Jaheim released Ghetto Classics, and it was a Ghetto Classic. In 2009, Drake releases his third official mixtape, So Far Gone, which receives universal acclaim. Goes on to become recognized as one of the best modern mixtapes, and Drake's launch into mainstream success, and the world was never the same. A game. In 2014, Time Warner Cable announces it intends to be acquired by Comcast, that's what I like to call them, in a $45.2 billion deal, which is subject to approval by federal regulators, and is expected to face scrutiny from media watchdogs and rival operators. I mean, because they're Comcast, you can't trust them. In 2017, Nick Cannon announces he will not return as host of America's Got Talent, citing creative differences between him and executives at NBC. The resignation comes in the wake of news that the network considered firing Cannon, who hosted the variety competition for eight seasons after he made disparaging remarks about NBC in a then-recent Showtime comedy special, Stand Up, Don't Shoot. He said, I love art and entertainment too much to watch it be ruined by controlling corporations and big business. Cannon said in a statement referencing cable giant Comcast's ownership of NBC. Once again, Comcast and culture... Nick Cannon is a man of the people. Let's protect him at all costs. But more importantly to me than all that shit, in 1996, the same day the Foodies released the score, Tupac Amaru Shakur releases All Eyes On Me. It was the first ever double album. First ever rap double album. One of the most influential albums in hip-hop history, in music history. All eyes on me achieved platinum sales in just four hours and reached number one on the Billboard 200 charts. Man, I was in seventh grade when that album came out. When the man was in jail, we were anticipating this album. I came to the CD store a week early because we didn't have internet just readily available in our phones. We didn't even have smartphones. If you didn't pay attention on MTV or uh, didn't pay attention or, you know, you didn't have internet. We didn't have internet at the time. But yeah, man, this is one of the biggest albums of that decade. All Eyes on Me. It's his biggest album. Uh, Although I like... Me Against the World, which I covered on a earlier episode. I believe last year I covered Me Against the World. That's my favorite Tupac album. But all eyes on me. I mean, come on, man. California Love. How Do You Want It? I won't deny it. I'm a straight rider. You don't want to hunt with me. That shit. That's some shit MMA fighters need to come out to. That's some shit that'll get a motherfucker hype. But yeah, all eyes on me, man. That was the last album Tupac released in his lifetime. Today in sports history, in 1920, the National Negro Baseball League organizes. In 1923, the first black pro basketball team, the Renaissance, organizes. In 1937, the Boston Redskins receive approval from the NFL to move to Washington, D.C. to share baseball's Griffin Stadium with the first Washington Senators of the American League. In 1952, future world champion Rocky Marciano knocks out Italian heavyweight boxer Gino Bonvino in the second round at Rhode Island Auditorium in Providence for his 40th straight win. He whipped Joe Lewis's ass. In 1974, James Cool Papa Bell is named to baseball's Hall of Fame. In 1976, American Dorothy Hamill wins the free skate to clinch the women's figure skating gold medal at the Innsbruck Winter Olympics. In 1977, Eric Heiden is the first American to win the World Speed Skating Championship. And on that same day, the 27th NBA All-Star Game is held at the Mecca Arena in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. West beat the East 125-124. The MVP is Julius Irving, the forward of the Philadelphia 76ers. In 1980, the 13th Winter Olympic Games opened in Lake Placid, New York. In 1983, the 33rd NBA All-Star Game is held at the Forum in Inglewood, California. East beat the West 132-123. The MVP once again, Julius Irving, forward of the Philadelphia 76ers. In 1987, Jack Morris of the Detroit Tigers is awarded 1.85 million salary by the arbitrator. In 1988, the 15th Winter Olympic Games open in Calgary, Canada. A. In 1989. Oklahoma football player Charles Thompson is charged with selling cocaine. He is later sentenced to two years in prison. In 1990, Larry Bird of the Boston Celtics ends his NBA free throw streak of 71 games. In 1992, Jose Canseco repeatedly rams his Porsche into wife Esther's BMW. Must be the Royds. Well, they did call him the Bash Brothers. In 1994, the 44th NBA All-Star Game was held at Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. East beat the West 127-118. The MVP is Scottie Pippen, small forward of the Chicago Bulls. In the year 2000, the 49th NBA All-Star Game is held at Oakland Arena in Oakland, California. West beat the East 137-127. The MVPs are Tim Duncan, forward of the San Antonio Spurs, and Shaquille O'Neal, center for the Lakers. In 2005, the NFL Pro Bowl is held at Aloha Stadium in Honolulu. AFC beat the NFC 38-27. The MVP is Peyton Manning, quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. And that was my Half Fast Sports Report. Coming up, I'm going to go over Tupac's album, All Eyes on Me, released on this day in 1996. We'll be black after these messages.
1: My best shirt everything I owns on the dresser seems like every time that I'm up I fall it's always so much pressure always so much pain in the morning whatever comes my way I keep going because I don't want to lose it oh I already feel so long. leave me alone I'll be rescued Then I'm gonna rescue you Waiting on my blessings Just so I can bless you Forgive me for trying to manage Forgive me for fighting through all the damage Forgive me for all this planning And trying to be the biggest on the planet, yeah I put on my best shirt Everything I own's on the dresser Seems like every time that I'm up, I fall It's always so much pressure Always so much pain in the morning Whatever comes my way, I keep going Because I don't wanna lose it oh, I already feel so long. Then I'm gonna rescue you Waiting on my blessings Just so I can bless you
0: And a special mention to those no longer with us Peter Tork was an American musician, composer, and actor Born Peter Halston Torkelson on February 13, 1942 in Washington, D.C., he was best known as the keyboardist and bass guitarist of the Monkees and a co-star of the Monkees TV series from 1966 to 1968. Tork grew up in Connecticut, and in the mid-1960s as part of the Greenwich Village folk scene in New York, he befriended musician Stephen Stills. After moving to Los Angeles with Stills, he was recruited for the musical television sitcom The Monkees, The success of the show made him a teen idol from 1966 to 1968. He released one solo album, Stranger Things Have Happened in 1994, and later toured with James Lee Stanley, as well as his band, Shoe Suede Blues. On March 3, 2009, Tork reported on his website that he had been diagnosed with Adenoid Cystic Carcinoma, a rare, slow-growing form of head and neck cancer. A preliminary biopsy showed that cancer had not spread beyond the initial site. It's a bad news, good news situation, explained Tork. It's so rare a combination that there isn't a lot of experience among the medical community about this particular combination. On the other hand, the type of cancer it is, never mind the location, is somewhat well-known, and the prognosis, I'm told, is good. Tork underwent radiation therapy to prevent the cancer from returning. In June of that year, a spokesman for Tork reported that his cancer had returned. Tork was reported shaken but not stirred by the news and said that the doctors had given him an 80% chance of containing and shrinking the new tumor. Then in July of that year, while undergoing radiation therapy, he was interviewed by the Washington Post. I recovered very quickly after my surgery, and I've been hoping that my better than average constitution will keep the worse effects of radiation at bay. My voice and energy still seem to be in decent shape, so maybe I can pull these gigs off after all. He continued to tour and perform while receiving his treatments. Torque documented his cancer experience on Facebook and encouraged his fans to support research efforts of the Adenoid Cystic Carcinoma Research Foundation. His cancer returned in 2018 and he died at his home in Mansfield, Connecticut on February 21, 2019, a decade after his diagnosis. He was 77 at the time of his death. Oliver Reed was an English actor. Born Robert Oliver Reed on February 13, 1938 in Wimbledon, London, England. He was best known for his upper middle class macho image and Hellraiser lifestyle. His notable films include The Trap, Oliver, Women in Love, Hannibal Brooks, The Devils, Revolver, The Three Musketeers, The Four Musketeers, Tommy, The Brood, Lion of the Desert, Castaway, The Adventures of Baron Munchison, Funny Bones, and Gladiator. For playing Antonius Proximo, the old, gruff gladiator trainer in Ridley Scott's Gladiator, and what was his final film, Reed was posthumously nominated for the BAFTA Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role in 2000. At the peak of his career in 1971, British exhibitors voted Reed fifth most popular star at the box office. Reed died from a heart attack during a break from filming Gladiator in Valletta, Malta on the afternoon of May 2nd, 1999. According to witnesses, he drank eight pints of German lager, a dozen shots of rum, half a bottle of whiskey, and a few shots of Hennessy Cognac in a drinking match against a group of sailors on shore leave at a local pub. His bar bill totaled a little over 270 Maltese Lira, which is the equivalent of $590 US. After beating five much younger Royal Navy sailors at arm wrestling, Reed suddenly collapsed, dying while en route to hospital in an ambulance. He was 61 years old. George Siegel was an American actor, comedian, and musician. Born George Siegel Jr. on February 13, 1934, in New York City, he became popular in the 1960s and 70s for playing both dramatic and comedic roles. After first rising to prominence with roles in acclaimed films such as Ship of Fools and King Rat, he co-starred in the classic drama Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Through the next decade and a half, Siegel consistently starred in notable films across a variety of genres, including The Quiller Memorandum, The St. Valentine's Day Massacre, No Way to Treat a Lady, Where's Papa, The Owl and the Pussycat, The Hot Rock, Bloom and Love, A Touch of Class, California Split, The Duchess and the Dirtwater Fox, and Fun with Dick and Jane. He was one of the first American film actors to rise to leading man status with an unchanged Jewish surname, helping pave the way for other major actors of his generation. Later in his career, he appeared in supporting roles in films such as Look Who's Talking, For the Boys, The Mirror Has Two Faces, and Flirting with Disaster. He was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his performance in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and won two Golden Globe Awards, including the Golden Globe Award for Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy for his performance in A Touch of Class. On television, he was best known for his regular roles in two popular sitcoms, playing Jack Gallo on Just Shoot Me and Albert Pop Solomon on The Goldbergs. Siegel was also an accomplished banjo player, he released three albums and performed with the instrument in several of his acting roles and on late night television. Siegel died of complication from bypass surgery in Santa Rosa, California on March 23, 2021 at age 87. Eddie Robinson was an American football coach. Born Eddie Gay Robinson on February 13, 1919 in Jackson, Louisiana. He would go on to become the coach of Grambling State University, a historically black university from 1941 to 1942 and again from 1945 to 1997. Robinson is recognized by many college football experts as one of the greatest coaches in history. During a period in college football when black players were not allowed to play for Southern college programs, Robinson built Grambling State into a small college football powerhouse. He retired in 97 with a record of 408 wins, 165 losses, and 15 ties. Robinson coached every single game from the field and was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1997. Robinson is arguably the most successful college football coach in FCS history and has the third most victories in college football history. Robinson developed Alzheimer's disease after his retirement he died on April 3, 2007 at Lincoln General Hospital in Ruston Louisiana after having been admitted earlier in the day he was 88 at the time of his death rest easy y'all on this day in 1996 all eyes on me was released All Lies On Me is the fourth studio album by American rapper Tupac and the last to be released during his lifetime. Released by Death Row Records and Interscope Records, All Lies On Me features guest appearances from several artists, including The Outlaws, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, George Clinton, E-40, Redman, Method Man, Nate Dogg, The Dog Pound, Casey and Jojo, and Roger Troutman, among others. The album features productions by Shakur alongside a variety of producers, including DJ Quick, Johnny J, Dr. Dre, DJ Bobcat, Dat Nigga Daz, DJ Pooh, Devante Swing, among more. The album includes the Billboard Hot 100 number 1 singles, How Do You Want It and California Love. It featured four singles in all, the most of any of Shakur's albums. Moreover, All Eyes On Me made history as the first ever double full-length hip-hop solo studio album released for mass consumption globally. All Eyes On Me was the second album by Tupac to chart at number 1 on both the Billboard 200 and the top R&B and hip-hop albums charts, selling 566,000 copies in the first week. Seven months later, Tupac was fatally wounded in a drive-by shooting. All Eyes on Me received instant critical acclaim, and it has been ranked by many critics as one of the greatest hip-hop albums as well as one of the greatest albums of all time. The album won the 1997 Soul Train Award for Rap Album of the Year, posthumously. Shakur also won the award for Favorite Rap and Hip-Hop Artist at the 24th Annual American Music Awards. The album was certified diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America on July 23rd, 2014, 18 years after Shakur's death, with shipments over five million copies. In 2020, the album was ranked 436th on Rolling Stone's updated list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. In October of 1995, Shug Knight and Jimmy Iovine paid the $1.4 million bail necessary to get Shakur released from jail on charges of sexual abuse. At the time, Shakur was broke and thus unable to make bail himself. All Eyes on Me was released following an agreement between Knight and Shakur, which stated Shakur would make three albums under Death Row Records in return for them paying his bail. Fulfilling part of Shakur's brand new contract, this double album served as the first two albums of his three-album contract. Euthanasia was the initial title of the album until it was changed to All Eyes On Me during the recording process. Shakur explained to MTV's Bill Bellamy in December 1995, saying, It's called All Eyes On Me. That's how I feel it is. I got the police watching me, the feds. I got the females that want to charge me with false charges and sue me and all that. I got the females that like me. I got the jealous homeboys and I got the homies that roll with me. Everybody's looking to see what I'm going to do now. So All Eyes On Me. All Eyes On Me was originally intended for a Christmas 1995 release but was pushed back as Shakur continued to record music and shoot music videos for the album. The album features guest spots from Tupac's regulars such as former Thug Life members and The Outlaws as well as Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, The Dog Pound, Nate Dogg, George Clinton, rapper Forte, The Click, Method Man, and Redman among others. The song Hearts of Men samples a portion of Richard Pryor's comedy album That Nigger's Crazy. Most of the album was produced by Johnny J and Daz Dillinger, with help from Dr. Dre on the songs California Love, which he himself appeared in also as an album guest spot in Can't See Me, which was Clinton's appearance. DJ Quick also produced and mixed and made an appearance on the album, but had to use his real name on the credits because his contract with Profile Records prevented him from using his stage name. The songs on All Eyes On Me are, in general, unapologetic celebrations of living the thug lifestyle Though there is the occasional reminiscence about past and present friends, it is a definite move away from the social and political consciousness of Tupacalypse Now and Strictly For My Niggas. The songs on the album, along with the name of the album itself, allude to the feeling of being watched. With songs like Can't See Me and All Eyes On Me, Tupac makes it known that he feels the presence of surveillance, most notably by the police. The album also references the fact that Tupac is under the attention of many fans, being his fourth studio album. The first single, California Love, featuring Dr. Dre and Roger Troutman, was released on December 3rd, 1995. This is perhaps Tupac's best-known song, and his most successful, reaching number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for eight weeks, as a double A-side single with How Do You Want It, and 12 weeks at number one in New Zealand. The song was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Rap Performance by a duo or group with Dr. Dre and Roger Troutman in 1997. A remix version also produced by Dr. Dre appeared on the album. The song has since been certified two times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. Two of America's Most Wanted featuring rapper Snoop Dogg was released as a promotional single on May 7th of 1996. The video was directed by one of Tupac's production partners, Gobi Rahimi, and was filmed four months prior to the September 1996 shooting of Tupac. The prelude for the song shows a parody of Biggie Smalls and Puff Daddy in discussion with Shakur about the November 1994 shooting. The beginning of the scene where Tupac is speaking to Biggie is in reference to the scene in the film Scarface in which Tony Montana speaks to his alleged killer before shooting him. The song peaked at number 46 on the U.S. Billboard Hot R&B and Hip Hop Airplay chart. The second single, How Do You Want It, featuring R&B duo Casey and JoJo, was released on June 4, 1996. It was paired with California Love as a double A-side single, with two of America's Most Wanted and the non-album track Hit 'Em Up serving as the B-sides. The song reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. The video portrays a wild sex party with jacuzzi, mechanical bull riding, cage dancing, and pole stripping. All actors and actresses are dressed in renaissance-era costumes, though all clothes are removed for the nude clip. The adult material video also features numerous porn stars, including Nina Hartley, Heather Hunter, and Angel Kelly. The limousine segment, seen in the clean version, is the same, except no nudity. The third one is the concert version, mostly them performing on stage. There are cameo appearances by Casey and JoJo and fellow group member of Digital Underground, Shock G, both in the concert and studio segments. I Ain't Mad At you, featuring singer Danny Boy was released in Europe in parts of Oceania shortly after Shakur's death as the final single from the album on September 15, 1996. For the video, the song was re-recorded with a live band. The new track was recorded at Can-Am Studios by Conley Abrams. The video was shot weeks before Shakur's death. All Eyes On Me received widespread critical acclaim. Spin Magazine gave it a 7 out of 10, and said as long as you don't expect philanthropy from Tupac, you'll find honesty and some pleasurably twisted scenarios. The record ranked number 3 on Entertainment Weekly's list of top 10 albums of 96. All Music stated, maybe it was his time in prison, or maybe it was simply his signing with Suge Knight's death row label. Whatever the case, Tupac re-emerged hardened and hungry with All Eyes on Me, the first double disc album of original material in hip hop history. With all the controversy surrounding him, Tupac seemingly wanted to throw down a monumental epic whose sheer scope would make it an achievement of itself. But more than that, it's also an unabashed embrace of the gangster lifestyle, backing off the sober self-recognition of me against the world. Sure, there are a few reflective numbers and dead homies tributes, but they're much more romanticized this time around. Despite some undeniable filler, it is easily the best production Tupac's ever had on record. In the Los Angeles Times, Chio Coker praised the album. All Lies On Me, a 27-song, 133-minute gangster's paradise, finds the rapper even more venomous than he was before his 11-month incarceration for sexual abuse. He displays no remorse for his tough life and even less feeling for his enemies. The only thing Joe Time did for Tupac was make his creative fires burn even hotter. He raps here with a passion and skill matched in gangster rap only by Snoop Doggy Dog and Notorious B.I.G. And with such producers as DJ Poo, DJ Quick, Dr. Dre, and Johnny J laying down the tracks, he finally has a musical team worthy of his talent. John Pirelli's of the New York Times considered the album typical gangster rap fare, but with superior production. Standard images of ghetto desperation turned up, but far more of Tupac's rhymes are about living in luxury, driving a plush car, drinking cognac, smoking weed, and having all the women he wants. Pirelli's notes that while Tupac used to show some sympathy for women, he has returned to hardline gangsta machismo, with women as either gold-digging bitches or heavy-breathing, pliant hoes. It's like a Cali Thug Life version of Pink Floyd's The Wall. Pure gangster ego run amok over two CDs, complained Rolling Stone. At that length, the album's all-hard, all-the-time tone approaches caricature. Nonetheless, the album was included in the magazine's essential recordings of the 1990s. All Eyes On Me debuted at number one on both the US Billboard 200 and the US Top R&B Hip Hop Albums charts, selling 566,000 copies in its first week, becoming Tupac's second number one album on the chart. The album was eventually certified Diamond by the RIAA. As of September 2011, All Eyes On Me has sold 5,887,630 copies in the United States, making it Tupac's highest selling album. It has charted on the Billboard 200 for 105 weeks in total. Happy 26th anniversary, All Eyes on Me. And RIP Tupac, you were one of one.
1: All Eyes on Me.
0: Today's birthdays for February 13th. Turning 36 today is American football player Akib Tlaib. Happy 40th birthday to American football player Michael Turner. Turning 43 is American actress and fashion designer Mina Savari. Happy 45th birthday to American football player and coach Randy Moss. Straight cash, homie. English singer-songwriter Robbie Williams turns 48 today. Also turning 48 is American rapper and actor Fonsworth Bentley. Remember him? Happy 60th birthday to American wrestler and manager, Baby Dow. Happy 61st birthday to American singer, songwriter, producer, and actor, Henry Rollins. Turning 72 is English singer, songwriter, and musician, Peter Gabriel. Happy 75th birthday to American basketball player and coach, Coach K himself, Mike Krzyzewski. And a very special happy 78th birthday to English American television host, actor, politician, and 56th mayor of Cincinnati. Jerry Springer. So that wraps up another edition of Over the Culture Podcast. Please make sure to check out my other show, Happen in the 90s with Matt G., Crush Crushgasm with Kendra, B3F Podcast with Steven and Joey, Don't Worry Be Movies with Amanda and Wade, and Go Bungles. day? Go, Ohio. Peace.